Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Arsenal Way. And yes, we have another episode of Behind the Enemy Lines. Now, we have a very special guest with us, our very own fan brand social media producer, James Truescott. James, how are you? I'm, I'm, I'm blessed, thanks. I mean, look, I mean, looking ahead to this game, I'm slightly apprehensive, but yeah, I'm all good. What about yourself? Yeah, I'm all good. I'm all good. I'm feeling more confident than I have in recent weeks with the games against Everton and Bench United. They're always tough games, but a home game against Southampton, the Gunners are favourites to win. But James, just tell, tell me and tell the fans how you're expecting the game to go. I mean, we got into this game in a bad period of form, but so did Everton. And they were in a worse period of form than us and, and they beat you. I don't think we've I don't think we've won any of our last four. Everton hadn't won any of their prior eight um before they beat Arsenal. And to be honest, in recent years, I see us as a bit of a bogey team for you guys. Mm. Um historically in the Premier League, we always get you, you know, you've you've had a tendency to beat us. But I think in recent years, even when we've not really been on it, I think we've always caused problems for Arsenal. Yeah, you have, you have. I think I hate when I see a St. Mary's picture, I'm like, oh God, here we go. But thankfully, this game will be at Emirates Stadium. But before we touch on the game, I just want to get an insight on Southampton's start to this season. Now, of course, you sit in 16th place. Is that where you predicted your club will be sitting or do you, did you expect Southampton to be in the bell or even worse, possibly? I mean, I think a lot of people off the back of last season were always going to approach this season with pessimism. Um, and then we had a good transfer window and I think people got a little bit excited again. Um, but I feel the expectations are being measured, being tempered all over again because we had a tough start to the season. There was us, Burnley, Newcastle, Norwich, who were all having to wait for a win. We got there eventually, but I think we've been drawing a lot of games um, in that we, you know, we, we quite often lead early on and then we struggle to close out the game. Um so, yeah, I think there's a belief that we could be doing better, but it's not altogether unexpected that we are where we are on the table. Yeah, absolutely. So where would you say, for example, what would be a successful season for you guys? Where would you say, OK, you achieved that, that is a success, we're happy with that? I feel like mid-table I feel like mid will be a successful season for us because I think we've had flirtations with relegation just constantly over the past few seasons. So a bit of stability with like some of the young core that we've helped develop Um that we can then hopefully push on to like a, you know, I guess Europa League, Europa Conference League push um, next season or the season after that. So yeah, mid-table um, would be good. <clears throat> yeah, of course, because you was in the Europa League during the 2016-2017 season, I believe. And you've, how have you say your progression has been since then? Do you think you've declined a lot or do you think you've just stagnated almost? Yeah, I definitely think um, we stagnated. I think the, you know, playing philosophy we had, the transfer, um policy as well I think it it went slightly sour because we've always been renowned for having good recruitment and good players coming through the academy um and I think since we've been in the, since we've been in the Premier League we had you know both Pochettino and Koeman who were you know really 
good managers. And I think a lot of that went by the wayside. And I think the challenge for subsequent managers after those two has been imprinting a good playing style, but also rebuilding the squad. Because we've had so much deadwood that we're just on high wages. And, you know, even some of it's still there. That Fraser Forster, he's a second choice goalkeeper. Yeah, um, one of the highest paid players in the squad, if not the highest. So it's, it's, it's stuff like that that he's, Ralph has had to do over time. But I think the transfer window this summer signalled a kind of new um, policy because um, we've got in Martin Simmons from the FA um, to basically, you know, head up. Basically, be for, for us guys, what you guys have with Edu, I guess. Mm. You know, kind of director of football, technical director. So he's in charge of that side of things. And he was in charge of the academy, academy when we brought through Bale, Walcott, um, Oxley Chamberlain, um, all these people, I believe. So to have him in charge of things, again, is good because we've got that onus on signing young players that are perhaps underappreciated at other Premier League clubs, bringing in players from the championship. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you have got an exciting lineup, but even to this day, and before, of course, under Graziano Pelle, I remember players such as that, Nathaniel Klein, that team, you've done really well with that team. But mm-hmm. now you've got Ralph as your manager, and he's been linked with top clubs all the time. I think every time a post comes available, a, t- a post is available to be snapped up. It feels like Ralph is in the conversation. Manchester United, he was in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Tottenham, he was in the conversation. Do you think he is doing the most he can for Southampton, or do you think he's he can take the next step? Um... Ah, it's, I think it's something that divides the fan base, to be honest. Um, obviously, I think Arsenal have, you, you know, you know, Arsenal have Arteta very much d- divides the fan base, mm. polarises them in a particular way. I think Ralph Hasenhutl does that, yet he's almost universally appreciated by opposition fans. Um, I think in Southampton, there's a lot of people, like I said, who are frustrated by how we throw away leads. They think we're actually very tactically inflexible and that... Um, he's unable to influence games with his substitutions or tactical tweaks. Like for example, against Liverpool, um, we uh, like against Norwich who hadn't won a game yet, uh, Dean Smith in new manager, we beat him the game. We beat Dean Smith the game before when he was managing Aston Villa. We went for a very conservative lineup and tactics, but then the following game against Liverpool, he thought, Oh, hang on, let's play three, four, three. And we got absolutely pummeled. And a lot of people thinking it'll be, another 9-0. So sometimes it it can be slightly confusing me. I think for a club of our stature, I think we're lucky to have him and the past few managers we've had were awful and I think we should be careful what we wish for. And I think personally, I think he enjoys how much influence he's got at the club because <clears throat> that's part of the reason that led to him leaving Leipzig. I think it was disagreements with Ralph Rangnick over their di- over you know direction and stuff like that. So I think he's come to Southampton and He's basically got so much control, so much power that I just don't think he would have at a bigger club. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Obviously, when you're a fan of a slightly smaller club, you always think, oh, yeah, this player will never leave. Oh, yeah, they love it here. This manager will never leave. But I don't know. I think there's a the type of feeling that I think, you know, I, because at the end of the day as well, to preside over two nine nils and not be sacked, I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of loyalty on both sides. Yeah. Definitely, I agree. So where do you think he can take Southampton? Where do you think under Ralph Southampton will be? I would like to think, I would like to think um, Europe. I don't know. You, you, start to, you start to believe that anything is possible when you see how Leicester have challenged in recent years. We see our West Ham. I mean, the difference of us is that 
our budget is way smaller. People kind of ignore this, but our, but our budget is actually tiny. Um, like for example, Mike Ashley got criticised um, for his running of Newcastle, but I know Joe Linton hasn't really been doing that well, but they did spend like 40 million on him. Almiron, Sam Maximan, they spent mega bucks on them. Southampton, I've never spent that much on a player before. Our record signing is still like 20 mil. That's you know, crazy. so... Yeah, and, and, age, not, yeah, and our owner is still, still trying to sell up. So when you look at our budget, I think this it's actually ignored. I think that people expect more from us, but I think really and truly, look at our spend. I think maybe it's comparable to, I don't know, like a, a Brighton, a Burnley. Um, so for that, I think we're punching above our weight. But I think if we continue in this same vein, you know, like Liv- Livermento's look great, Brogia's look great, um, Lianco's look great, Thierry Small and Roman Perot are two left-backs pending, Armstrong's pending. But I think this transfer window is the first sign that times are, the tides are turning um, and that, yeah, maybe in the next few seasons we, we can push on for Europe and stuff. Absolutely, absolutely. And I remember briefly you just mentioned how you changed formations and used the 3-4-3 against Liverpool. Now, in the last game against Brighton, I believe it was a 4-4-2 you guys used. Now, in the game against Arsenal, will you be repeating this type of lineup, or do you think Ralph will just change it up? Yeah, I mean, um, Ralph Hasenutel's kind of typical formation is a kind of like 4-2-2-2 that you've kind of seen Ralph Rangnick kind of adopt. In actual fact, when you've got the ball, as you said, it kind of ends up playing very much similar to a 4-4-2 because the two players, so you've got, cause you've got your two whole kind of holding midfielders, and the two players in front of them that he calls like number 10s, they kind of function as wingers with the ball because they'll move outwards, but then without the ball, they're kind of pressing more inwards, which is why it's got that kind of like narrow perception. I mean, what that means is that a lot of the kind of wide players slash forwards can have quite a versatile role because they can be in the front two or in the two behind. I think it's very likely that we do go with that formation. I think he kind of acknowledged that the 3-4-3 um, was a mistake. Um, and I think we could potentially get a lot of pleasure if we just stick to um, this formation. I think in the past, when he's when he has used a back, a back three, back five, whatever, um, it hasn't yeah, it hasn't always worked out for us. And that's not just a recent thing. I just think in general, whenever he's deployed it for us, for some reason it doesn't work. But I don't know. Perhaps against Arsenal, it might feel the defence wants more protection, especially with a kind of untested keeper. Yeah. We'll be touching on Willie Caballero shortly. But before we do, I just want to see what players do you think will hurt Arsenal the most? I know Armando Brogia has been doing very well this season, but are there any other players alongside him that will cause Arsenal problems and who the defence will have to watch out for? Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Brogia. I think him and... Uh, I mean, apart from Danny Ings, we have not had a reliable striker for, for over the past two years. That like every chance for him, it's like, yeah, we need a striker, we need a striker, we need a striker. And Chadham has been slightly frustrating. He's good at holding up the ball, good at setting someone up, but can he be Batman and not just Robin? Mm-hmm. You know? But I think he's been in such a rich vein of form for club and country in recent times. Um, and in Brojar, you've got someone that, yeah, we think is has got something about him too. So I would say surprise the attack, but I actually think Nathan Redmond, if I had to pick out one person, Nathan Redmond, he's someone that I think opposition fans probably appreciate over the years, 
Birmingham City, Norwich, and more recently at Saints. Mm-hmm. But I think fans, he's been so frustrating. Just one of those players who does it, he does a lot of good stuff, but then just the end product has just been lacking. Um, and sometimes his uh, energy and commitment off the ball. But this season, he's, he's been insane, just creating so much um, and just doing so much work on and off the ball. So I actually think, uh, yeah, I think Nathan Redmond is the man to watch out for um, from our side. Interesting, interesting. We should see if he plays on the left hand or the right hand side. That should be interesting to see because the battle with Tomiyasu or battle with Corinthians will be will mm. be interesting to see. But of course, you mentioned it briefly with Willie Caballero, and I think that's been the big news that's come out ahead of this game that Southampton's two keepers, Fraser Forster and McCarthy, are both unavailable. So forty-year-old Willie Caballero will be coming in to provide cover. Now, James, as a Southampton fan, how does this make you feel? I can't lie. Again, I mentioned our striker woes. Our striker and goalkeeper have been the two most stressful positions for us for years. Like, for a while, I don't think anyone's been satisfied with McCarthy or Forster. I mean, Forster, uh, really impressed in his early days at Southampton, but he struggles to get, you know, struggles to make those kind of low saves mm. and he's really poor with his feet. So, again, the kind of system they're trying to play, playing it out from the back, you can't really do that. McCarthy can do that slightly better, just error-prone. And there's so many games this season where he's, he's just leaked goals. So it's a weird situation where both are out of contracts in the summer and both might not even have their contracts renewed. But, I mean, Caballero coming in, oh, I mean, we were, we were so devoid of options. It's either him or Harry Lewis. Harry Lewis hasn't played for us in years, he's only 23. I think as a teenager, he played a few games in the FA Cup, including of FA Cup fourth round game against Arsenal when we mm. lost 5-0. I believe, I think Danny Welbeck was playing up top for Arsenal <laughs> yeah. back in times. But yeah, it was 5-0. The most recent taste of first team football was 17-18 season in the Scottish second tier for Dundee United. So I think everyone was scared to see him in goal. Caballero, yeah, I know he's been training at Wimbledon. I know he's a bit of free agent, but at least he's got, I guess, some recent top-level experience mm. at, at Chelsea. And you like to think as well, when it's an experienced head, that even if they haven't played in a while, they're not going to be overawed by the occasion. You know, he's played at the top level. He's played internationally, Argentina, played, you know, Premier League, Champions League, FA Cup, whatever. So you'd like to think that he's not overawed by the occasion, but how sharp he is. Oh, I don't know. We I shall know. see. <laughs> we shall see. And, and obviously the the major concern as well is that if we had like an assured back line in front of him, then it would inspire more confidence, sorry. But Benarek is injured and Salisu is suspended. So I'm just going to have to chuck in just like <laughs> a completely different partnership in Jack Stevens and Lianco, who's very fresh to the Premier League and is thinking whether that's, you know, type of thing that will give the keeper confidence. I don't know. He's going to have to command his backline like hell. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that your def- the Southampton defensive rows should be perfect for Arsenal, who are lacking goals at the moment. And one player in particular is Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Now, last season, when Arsenal drew 1-1 at the Emirates with Southampton, mm-hmm. Aubameyang did end his drought. He was on a scoring drought then. And I think he has a perfect chance now. And James, does that scare you that Aubameyang can possibly end his drought and with your defensive worries as well? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely, no, definitely, it definitely does. Um, I think, um, 
I would say, yeah, like um, Jack Stevens in particular sometimes struggled in the air. And I know that Aubameyang isn't necessarily known for his aerial prowess. So that's something that gives me a slight confidence that that mm. issue can't be exploited. But I think um, Lianco in particular can be quite erratic. He's that you know he's he's Brazilian. He likes to um, dribble out of defence, and he like and he and he likes to play on the ball. And I think when you've got someone who's quite dynamic like Aubameyang, you expect you you know you expect that to have um, you expect to have an impact. And you know the slight propensity that our defenders might get bullied as well. I think they there's a, there's a lack of pace in these two centre backs again that can be quite exploited. I think Salisu and Bednarek give a lot more pace and mobility. Um, than these two. So I think there might be some more onus on the fullbacks in Livramento um, and, you know, Walker-Peters to actually get back and and cover and get in between those lines as well. So, yeah, I definitely think there's a possibility, unfortunately, that um, that Aubameyang could exploit that. I think something on the other end that Southampton could exploit perhaps with a kind of pressing system is I think Arsenal's midfield. I think Arsenal have midfield issues. I know Xhaka is just coming back from injury. I know Partey has come under a lot of flack recently for his form. So I do actually wonder whether they could be overwhelmed, overawed by the energy we've got in midfield and, um, you know, the, the press in midfield. Because I think in Ward-Prowse and Romeu, um, and Wall Prowse in particular has had a testing couple of games, but with him being our captain, our talisman, those two players, I think, are two of the most, I guess, senior and uh, confident players in our team that are very, very dependable midfielders. So, yeah, I think we could win the midfield battle. And that's where the game could be won. Definitely. Maybe that's the possible reason why Southampton have been somewhat a bogey team for Arsenal in the recent in recent years sorry but there is a player who did come back to haunt Arsenal and we have a great connection Southampton and Arsenal between him is Fia Walcott now he is amongst the Southampton squad still just tell me a bit about Fia Walcott and your admi- admiration for him because as Arsenal fans we do love him we did score over 100 goals for the club and we just have, I think it would be unfair not to mention him in a show between Arsenal and Southampton yeah yeah um I was excited for him to come back I think every fan was um particularly when he came back initially on loan from Everton, it was just such a low risk deal. Loan, I don't think there was a fee involved. I think we were only paying like a portion of his wages anyway. So I think he was like, yeah, cool. Let's do it. Let's do it. I think bringing him in, again, it was like, cool. It's good to have bring that experience into our squad. I heard he take a pay cut, a big pay cut as well. Um, it was a free transfer. But I think it's probably the position that we're stacked in the most those kind of like wide areas, those roles in between the striker. And I think early on in the season, a lot of people were disappointed that he was starting in that role. Um, I think people maybe thought, okay, cool, he can be the guy to kind of come off the bench. Um, so I think he's been a source of frustration, really. Because mm. early this season, he was putting in a lot of stinkers. When he was on loan, when he was on loan, I think he did a job. He was serviceable. But... I don't know, it's always awkward. Obviously, you know, on a Arsenal way show, don't really want to be mentioning your your true enemy in Spurs. But I think when you look at Bale at Spurs, again, a former Southampton Academy yeah. product as well, it's kind of like an awkward reunion. Mm. That he wasn't really performing that that well. And it's like, oh so I think with Walker, it's like that. 
you're kind of reluctant to criticize him too much because that's your guy and that's someone who you know you're you're just happy to have around and I think a lot of the younger players as well um like I think Livermento in particular spoken about how he's you know like a good mentor to have in the dressing room which I guess is you know another plus point and Ralph Hasenutl spoken about how much of a consummate professional he is and the impact he has in the dressing room but I think in recent weeks, him having an impact off the bench is the type of role that fans are happy to see him play. Um, and I think it's something you can excel in as well, particularly at his age, you know, coming on against tired legs. Um, yeah. Yeah, of course. We all love Theo Walker. And the source of frustration was that describes his career at Arsenal towards the end as well. I think it's just how Walker is as a player. He has the qualities, but sometimes... He can be very frustrating. But James, before we end the show, I do it all the time. We need to get your score prediction for the game. Optimistic or no? Ooh. 2-2. Um, 2-2. A draw. Okay. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, again, typical Saints style. Um, I think we'll throw away leads. I think we'll be winning. We're winning the game as we did against Brighton last time around, as we did against Leicester City the game before that, I think we'll be leading. And then Arsenal will just come with a late goal. Interesting, interesting. I'm going to go over 2-0 Arsenal. I think we really... 2-0. 2-0. We're going to keep a clean sheet. I think at home we're very strong. We have been this season. I think we need to we need to react to the Everton game. And I think if we don't react and we do lose, then it could be problems. Even a draw won't be good enough. So I think the boys will just step up, step up the game a little bit. And I think they will get a clean sheet. I'm gonna make me making me want to change my prediction now. <laughs> no, two no. Confidence disgusts me. Well, we shall see. We we shall see. We shall see. James, you have been a legend on this show. Thank you very much. And guys, make sure, if you want to hear, hear more from James, follow him on Twitter at JG Trezeguet and follow me as well if you want to hear more from me at BaileyKeo underscore. But this has been the end of the show. There'll be more this week and the next week coming. So keep subscribing, keep liking the videos. And also when we do live videos, make sure you comment as well. But more importantly, guys, make sure you keep following us down the Arsenal way. <laughs>